Word nerd. Wordsmith. Wordy. Wordless. Oxford Dictionary says a word is a single, distinct, meaningful element of speech or writing, used with others or sometimes alone. We say each one matters. No extra words is literature, minimalist style. And we're getting you right to the story. The Intruders by Joel Allegretti A cigarette and an ashtray appeared on my coffee table alongside the wine carafe from Paris, the twig of coral from a beach in Puerto Rico, and the new revised standard version of the Holy Bible. The cigarette was unfiltered. It made no pretense about itself. It was half-smoked. The burnt end projected a grey-white curl of ash the length of a baby's pinky. Filaments of tobacco were in a diaspora around the ashtray. If lint were brown, I think it would be tobacco. The ashtray was a lime-green dollar store plastic dish. It didn't have the decency to be ceramic or a decorative Japanese plate gone utilitarian. It belonged back in the store aisle with the rest of its kind, not on a glass table sharing square feet with bibelots from France and Puerto Rico, in a room with crammed bookshelves and my grandfather's mandolin. A week has gone by. The cigarette and the ashtray haven't moved. The carafe, coral, and Bible resent their presence, but like 1980s squatters in an East Village tenement, the duo holds its ground, because the one who smoked half the cigarette is certain to come back for the other half. I'm waiting for no other reason than to see who it was. Caught Between the article about photographer Gary Winogrand in the New York Times Weekend Art section triggered it again. Running two pages, it contained photos of his work in Manhattan during the 1960s, a time and place that roller skating enthusiast, mother of two, and retired high school arts teacher Helen Zimmerman desperately wanted to experience. Helen believed she could go back in time. Granted, she never accomplished this, but deep inside, where those who practice a religion keep the tenets of their faith, Helen had created a place for time travel. She didn't just wish she had lived in New York City in the time of Andy Warhol's Campbell Soup campaignings. People wish that all the time. It was New York City, for God's sake, and the 60s. No, Helen had the expectation that if she stopped whatever she was doing, paused long enough, and concentrated hard enough, she would actually land there and be able to stay. Not one to speculate on what her life could have been like if she had ditched her family and acquired a 212 area code after high school. She considered that frivolous. Why waste time imagining when by sheer will you could move mountains or at the very least travel across the U.S. and the time-space continuum? It was around noon. In Helen's kitchen, the Winogrand article was spread on a freshly installed charcoal-gray granite countertop, chosen because it was labeled Midtown Street at the kitchen place outlet in town. Town was Fish Creek, Wisconsin. Helen was loading the dishwasher. Perhaps the mundane task of rinsing off the strawberry residue bowls from the previous night's shortcake drove her to reflect on the photo, taking up the top third of the first page a line of women in bass Weijin loafers, 
no socks, sitting on a bench in what appeared to be Madison Park. Any of them could have been her, she reasoned. She never wore socks with her loafers. Maybe, if she'd lived in New York City. She had not. She focused on the image on page C-15 of a woman striding of Fifth Avenue, straw purse slung over one shoulder, who so closely resembled her that she was sure someone would be calling any minute to ask if it were she in the photo. It, of course, was not. Not that any of her friends would be reading the Times article out there in Fish Creek, being as she was the only one in town who got delivery of the paper, according to the mailman. She paused, plate in hand, frozen midway into the space behind the butter dish in the lower rack of the dishwasher. One of Grant's black and white photos threw her into a longing so strong that when she recognized yet again she wasn't teleporting anywhere, she doubled over and let out a small sob. The plate dropped into place. But maybe the moment between the longing and the realization that she was still there, that split-second pause, was the true reality. Maybe 20 years from now, Helen Zimmerman is crossing a charcoal gray street in midtown Manhattan, looking at a New York Times photo essay of Fish Creek, Wisconsin, and jumped into that frame. Or maybe it was the Ambien. Hello there! Welcome to No Extra Words, the Flash Fiction Podcast. My name is Chris Baker-Dirsch. I'm your producer and editor. That moment described at the end of Pat Obermeyer's story is what today's episode is all about. The moment of in-between. In-between moments of reality is a moment of less than reality. And so we started with Joel Allegretti's story. I love the short shorts. I love everything we do here. But those short short stories, and I just try to get that recording perfect because every single one of those words means so much when a story is a minute long. And something appears out of nowhere, and you have no idea who put it there. But I love this image of this half-smoked cigarette, and you don't know what's going on, but someone's coming back for that thing. But that moment between when there was nothing and when there was something is that moment of change. And then Pat Obermeyer just reads her story beautifully. Um, A woman who is, I love this, a woman who is convinced that she can time travel. And most of us at the end of that story would think, oh, well, my experiment in time travel didn't work. And for Helen, it's like, meh, I I did it. It just was in that split second moment in between these two moments of reality. Coming up next is Emma Wren's A Place Between the Places We Call Home, which is a creation myth story, and I love a good creation myth story. This one actually takes me back to one of my favorite childhood books. I loved Mary Poppins as a kid. The movie's okay, but really, in order to understand Mary Poppins, you have to read the book. And I can't remember if this scene takes place in Mary Poppins or Mary Poppins Comes Back, but the family gets a new baby. And new babies, of course, can't talk. And so she's trying to make herself understood. And she can't understand why Mary Poppins can understand her and the birds can understand her. But her mother can't because that's just how that works. And so she tells the story of where she has come from, the journey that her soul has taken to be born. And it's just beautiful, this story. And of course, because one of the acts of becoming a grown up is you no longer have that baby. I can speak only and cry and speak baby language. And so time goes by and this little baby doesn't remember her story anymore and can't tell the birds her story anymore. 
And it's only a matter of time they realize before she's not going to be able to talk to them at all. And it's this sad moment for the birds. You know, why can't she continue to talk to us? And Mary Poppins is like, that's what growing up is. It's losing, it's gaining a lot of abilities, but it's losing that one. And then, of course, the question becomes, Mary Poppins, why didn't you ever lose it? Which is a whole different speculation for a whole different time. But Emma Wren's story is fantastic. And that's exactly what it's about. It's about what journey has your soul been on before and after it is where it is exactly right now. And what a fun thing to speculate, literally the moments in between. So I'm going to get you to that. And I will see you next week here on the show. Be watching some extra episodes are coming this way your way. We've been talking to some of the authors who were contributor appreciation month winners, and we're going to start to feature them on the show. Maybe this week, if not this week, next week, that's the deal I'll cut you. In the meantime, enjoy the story upcoming and have a great week. We'll see you soon on the No Extra Words podcast. A Place Between the Places We Call Home by Emma Wren There they were, suspended, or were they, in the black nothingness, or was it? The nothingness was colorless, shapeless, wordless, full, devoid. The nothingness wiggled. A different sort of nothing appeared from where there wasn't anything, a nothing shaped like the rest of the other nothings in the dark bowl of space. This nothing had been away for a while, though it felt like the blink of an eye. Whatever an eye is, or a blink. Hey, you're back. Everyone, Ed is back. Hey, how was it? Tell us everything. Ed, a blob of nothing, appeared out of the nowhere into the nothingness, sighing. Call me Gloria, he said. I was just Gloria for seventy-one years, she said. Seventy-one what? Something said. Gloria laughed, making no sound against the abyss. Oh, that's four six seven one two three eight nine four six six. He's new, Su Jin explained. Years are a time thing. You'll see, Gloria told four six seven one two three eight nine four six six. What's time? Four six seven one two three eight nine four six six continued. Everyone ignored him. How'd you go? Clara asked. In my sleep. Cancer. Undetected. Did it hurt? Gloria examined the memory of the body she'd just inhabited. She could feel it swallow her essence up. She seeped through it once again, only for a second. Or maybe it was seven years. Not really. Especially not compared to last time when I got shot. Gloria's shapelessness lounged against the unreality. Yeah, tell us about Ed again, Clara continued. I was an American. Weren't you just an American? You're on an American streak. Weird, huh? Yeah, but I just got out of 2136. Ed died in 1922. I, Ed, wasn't a bad guy or anything like that. My family was pretty normal, at least compared to when I was Nicola. But there was this guy, he robbed my house and assaulted my wife when I was at work. He was arrested trying to get away with my wife's diamond bracelet, and he was in jail for a while. And the whole time he wrote me letters, telling me he was going to kill me. Really sick stuff, see? Anyway, I never thought anything of it. One day I heard from a policeman that the guy had escaped, so I go home to round my family up, and he's already there. Gloria's audience hummed with non-being, enraptured. 
He's killed my wife. He's killed my kid. He stabbed the dog. This is your fault, he keeps saying. You killed them. Anyway, what was I going to do? I wasn't exactly a fighter. I worked for a newspaper. I tried to grab something to hit him with, but he knocked me down. He aimed to shoot me right between the eyes, but I moved at the last second, so he took a chunk of my cheek. Then he shot me between the eyes. It was pretty brutal. Wow, Clara murmured. Gives me chills every time. Can someone explain what's going on? 467-123-89466 asked. Everyone ignored him. But Suchin, I think you're about to be born. My glorious daughter, Elena, was pregnant when I died. She was due in a few weeks. As soon as I got back here, I had a weird feeling it was going to be you. Oh, really? The last time I was alive was more than 2,000 years ago, if it's 2136 now. I've never been an American before. Do you like being an American? Suchin asked. Being an American is fine, I guess. I really loved being a pharaoh. Please, what's going on? 467-123-89466 asked again. Well, of course it's fun to be a pharaoh. Clara's lack of face smiled. No, it's just pharaoh, not a pharaoh, Gloria corrected her. My apologies, pharaoh. What's with this guy? Gloria asked. 467-123-89466, Sujin responded. Yeah. He showed up here a few seconds ago, or six acres ago, or 43 meters ago. No name yet, huh? He hasn't been born, I guess. Strange, isn't it? Aren't we usually born pretty quickly? Can someone help me? 467-123-89466 pleaded. You've never had a name or a body? No. 467-123-89466 whimpered. I'm scared. Gloria chuckled. The sound was swallowed into the nothing. The vibrations rotated into intention and thought about becoming rather than existing. That won't change. But... 467-123-89466 began. Gloria, Clara, and Sujin pivoted away from 467-123-89466, navigating an infinite number of non-existent dimensions. Are they making more of us? Clara asked. I thought it was a fixed number situation. The first time there were too many, and now it's not enough? It doesn't make much sense. Well, it makes sense if we just remember that we don't exist, Sujin sighed. That's hardly a helpful attitude. And if we remembered that, we would never, never, never. It's all happening. It's all something and nothing. Our immateriality is baffling and perfect. Does anyone feel anything? I'm kind of the idea of warm, Sujin sighed again. I remember warm. Gloria hugged the memory with her voice. 467-123-89466 could still hear their conversation, even though his form was the concept of zero and his ears were still a glimmer in the lustful glance of a young human girl on the planet Earth. He stretched out his senses into the abyss and caressed the black infinity with the inverse of skin. He asked himself a few questions, namely what and why. He ignored how and when, sensing their futility. If I came from nothing and am made of nothing... How will I become something? 467-123-89466 asked carefully, butting into the group. Clara pitied 467-123-89466. You sort of float away into a body. A what? It's a something. You fill it up, and that's where you end and begin. And you... live? Yes. It's a process of time and a few other things that don't exist here. But I thought nothing existed here. The paradox of nothing continues to bamboozle. You'll be born soon, I'm sure. They used to give you life first, then bring you here to the waiting room in between. But if they're starting you here, that's something else. 
Suchin interrupted. It's not that simple, though. But it can be, if you ignore it. Gloria laughed lightly, dreaming of sunlight and shade. 467-123-89466 began to feel tremors. His nothingness twisted with the prognostication of tomorrow. Or was it yesterday? Vibrations filled the bowl of space. Something's wrong, 467-123-89466 called out. No, nothing's wrong, he heard someone say. 467-123-89466 became unplugged, unglued. Glue, the heat of summer, a school of fish, a flash of sunrise, a melange of sounds, a brief apocalypse. He felt feelings through the apparatus of this particular paradox. He became full of water. He blossomed. The nothingness around him augmented and changed from black to gray for a flash of eternity. I'm... I'm... he stuttered. It's like he's trying to stay or something. What a fool. Several glaciers melted around him, and the light he contained started to burn holes through his exterior. There was a loud crack like time splintering into existence. Sound and light rushed into the void like a tsunami. The dark bowl oozed, and his essence floated to the idea of the top, spilling over the thought of the edge. When he opened his eyes, he had eyes. He had a body. It was very small. Someone else held it. There was light. He could feel it through his eyelids. Sounds happened, muffled through his ears. The young girl in whose eyes he had been a glimmer was older and touching him. Time flowed around him and inside of him, defining and erasing. A larger body looked at his small body with apprehension. The tension cracked and he began to produce sound. He filled his lungs with weightlessness, forgetting both everything and nothing. Thanks for listening to the No Extra Words podcast. For more information on today's stories and contributors, or to learn how to submit your own work, please visit us at noextrawords.wordpress.com. The best support you can give the show is to recommend us to your family and friends. See you next time.